And welcome, everyone. Here is my preview for my interview with Bobby Umer. And what I want you to take away is that uh, he says work is only the means to do something. So he's going to share some actionable advice with you on the four key areas that you want to have in balance to make sure that you are living a fulfilled and balanced life and not come up with a whole bunch of comp out and then do the same thing over and over and over again. We also are sharing what to do when you have a massive strategy shift in your business and Bobby's entire speaking business stopped when COVID first began. So what did he do? He shares all of that in this interview. And then he shares a strategy, which is an unusual strategy. It is how to use feedback for data and data for feedback. So to listen to the entire podcast, please go where you find your favorite podcasts. And uh, I'm sure you're going to take away a lot of valuable information from Bobby. Thank you so much. Hello, fabulous person, Beata Shaletti, the Growth Architect. Welcome back to the Business Growth Architect Show, where we bring you cutting-edge business strategies from some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs, business transformation experts, and visionaries who want to help you to scale your impact. Look for one tangible strategy that you can take back and implement right away. And now back to our guest. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Beata Chalette, and this is another episode of the Business Growth Architect Show. Today, I have a very interesting guest, five-time TED speaker, I may say, and his name is Bobby Umer. And Bobby, please tell our audience who you are and what do we need to know about you? Yeah, hi. I'm a professional speaker and trainer by trade. I've been in it for 15 years, traveling around the world, speaking around leadership, personal branding, thought leadership, authentic connection relationships, networking, personal branding, and digital content, and things like LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that. But in the last couple of years during the pandemic, I've transitioned to doing more online training, but also a lot of coaching and online programs in the same areas of expertise, although one of the areas that I do now is social audio. So uh, it's been a bit of a pivot, a bit of a transition, but that's been my main thing that I do. And uh, I love doing it. It's very fun. I bet that your family is not too unhappy if you're not on the road 300 days a year. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think they're liking the fact that I'm home. Although when I, one time many years ago, when I did my, one of my first big, long speaking jaunts, I decided to extend the trip and I was gone for 11 days and uh, I missed my kids so much. I was like, oh, this is a bad idea. I'm never doing this again. And so, uh, so then every single time I went somewhere big, I said four days. So I went to India four days. I went to Germany, four days. I went to Tunisia, Africa, four days. I was like, I want to go. I want to come back. I'm going to do two days of traveling and that's it. Thank you for that. And we'll dive a little bit into that on how important family is in the way you you strategize your, your business goals as well. So my first question to you is, Bobby, when we talk about strategy, what does strategy mean for you and for your business? Well, I mean, strategy is the I guess the, you know, if you look, if you, you take a ship and you, and you have a rudder, it's a steering. It's what steers you to where, to where you want to go, right? So to me, having my strategy to steer you this way or that way or straight up, that to me is what's really important. It, it's the foundation for where you're going. It lays out the path. That to me is what strategy does for you. Because once you have what, what the path is, now you figure, okay, where are the tactics to get there? But for me, the strategy, if you don't have a clear strategy, 
it's going to be much harder to come up with the right tactics and the right things you need to do to take your business to that next level. You're absolutely right. I like that, the way you explained that. And you you hinted on this a little bit uh, just as we were talking where you said that during COVID and when you're speaking business, like, you know, change because what conferences, which, which, Collapse, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this, it was the same here for me. It's like literally from one day to the other, there were no speaking engagement. There was no event. And I had found that it was very difficult to convince people that this, the fee for a Zoom meeting was the same as an in-person conference. So right. you had to pivot. So how did you approach this from a strategic perspective? Did you have this moment of where you couldn't believe this was happening? Or did you say, okay, fine, I see the opportunity in this. I need to shift. I need to pivot. What did you do to adjust your strategy? Because yeah. in your particular case, because I know in the speaking business, everything stopped overnight. Yeah. So I think the the first thing was the first month I was spent on my kids trying to get them acclimatized and supported and whatnot. Then I remember on Easter, I was like, wow, okay, now I have to deal with the fact that everything's gone for the next day, eight to 10 months. And so I think the, you know, as someone who's been an entrepreneur for many years, I was quite okay with uncertainty. I've handled it before. So I think my first instinct was really, I need to figure out what's going on in people's minds. And so what I started doing is I started booking calls. And in 2020, I booked about 300 calls with people to understand what they were doing, how they were feeling, checking in. I'm a big relationship builder guy. So that to me was a big piece. But in doing those conversations, I was able to understand what are some of the things that people are thinking about, struggling with. And ergo, what are the opportunities? And as I did that uh, over about, I guess, a six-month period, I was able to extract what are some things I think people would be interested in me doing. And that's when I pivoted to two things that I saw. One was storytelling was a big thing that people wanted to do, whether it was for their content or whether it was for working with their teams. How do we tell better stories? Uh, also, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion was a big deal. So storytelling was also powerful there. So that became one thing. And then the second thing that came up was this idea of uh, thought leadership branding. I want to either pivot, either want to transition, or either want to wrap up. And from that, the whole idea of thought leadership branding kind of came up. And so I started doing workshops and seminars on those two things. And that's kind of where things started to shift a little bit. And I started to see the opportunities. The idea was, you know, like going, going back to what you just said, so you literally booked 300 telephone conversations and you just went on the phone and talked to people about what matters to them, what's going on, how they're feeling. And yeah. did you have this objective that you trusted your entrepreneurial instinct was going to kick in and you were going to find the pattern in, in what was being said? What was the, what was the, 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 the path to get to the aha moment? That's a good question. I mean, I think I think initially was focused on the idea, well, you know, relationship building is a core of my business. So let me reach out to people that I've worked with and people in my audience and let's see what's going on. So because maybe it'll spark an interest or they'll remember me for any business opportunities. So for me, that was the first thing. I wasn't actually thinking at the time that uh, I'm looking for that aha moment. I was trying to gather information. I'm also a big information gatherer. I love feedback. And so trying to get the feedback of what people like, disliked, what's going on, that, that was for me to identify what's going on. The aha moment only really came after a combination of two things. One was actually three things. One was 
doing those calls and taking notes of what was going on in the calls. I was also doing a lot of content on LinkedIn at the time to try to gauge what my audience was feeling about various types of topics that I, I was really good at. And the third thing was working with my own coach on, you know, ascertaining what's the best way to kind of transition and move forward. And uh, it was interesting because, you know, I had certain ideas of what I thought I should do, but then things kind of shifted and the data suggested something else. And I, I remember this because I was like, I want to go this path. And then my coach was like, I'm not sure about that one. And then I said, well, let's test it out. And then I tested it out with, with this polls and it took us in a completely different direction, which was the storytelling piece. It was like, wow, people really want this. Okay. I, you know, we can't, we got to listen to our audience. And so I think that was probably the big aha moment when the storytelling piece really came out, particularly in several polls that I ran. And I was like, wow, okay, people really want this. And every time I brought it up and I started bringing it up in calls, right, casually, hey, here's what I'm thinking of doing. Oh, that's great. Storytelling would be so good. It could help me in so many ways. And I was like, wow, okay. And so, so that to me was a good validation. I like that a lot. Yes, I, I think that, you know, and I want to really point this out that for our audience, that when sometimes when you do something that you're not have an agenda, but that there's a genuine desire of connection and actually learning, you know, asking the questions and learning what's going on with people, that then that sets in motion the entrepreneurial brain, which is what led you to, you know, your success in the first place, where your brain then suddenly takes these pieces and puts it together. And I think that, you know, and the reason I asked you that question, Bobby, is because I wanted to see if you were aware of that sort of pattern that typically happens, you know, me, because I do a lot of these system formula building and strategies. And I always believe that when I talk to someone that the puzzle pieces are all in there. And Oftentimes, it's my job to help them to extract them and connect them. But I was curious to see if you had, if there was a conscious awareness that these pieces were in there. And at one point, they kind of came came together. Does that make Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, as someone who is a huge advocate for personal branding and the personal branding process of getting feedback from your network and analyzing the data and coming up with a cl- uh, some clarity and focus on what you're trying to do, uh, to me, uh, it was, it's a very similar process that I did many years ago before I launched my business. So uh, as a personal brand advocate, it's, it is part of my process. And so, you know, I was doing it, but at this point, I've been doing it for so long that I think some of it's very subconscious. It's just, you know, this is kind of what I do. I talk to people, I listen to people, I do polls and the, the anecdotal plus the quantitative plus the quality, uh, sorry, the anecdotal qualitative plus the data and quantitative uh, will, will guide me in terms of what my strategy should be. Yeah, I love that a lot. Yeah, thank you for 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 spending a little extra time on that because I think it's a really 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 critical piece for everybody to understand the answers are already here. We just have to trust and learn how to access that and then uh, put it together. And gathering information by asking these questions or connecting with your target audience generally leads you on a path to really understanding what you need to offer to serve them the way they want to be served by you. So my next question to you, Bobby, is from all the strategies that you use or that you've heard or seen, what's your favorite strategy you want to share with us? Yeah, that's a really tough question, Beata, because I'm trying to do everything and I think of everything. I'm, I'm a chess player by nature. So I, I like to take all the different moves and I see 10 moves ahead and I try to plan it all out. But so it's hard to pick one, but I think the one I'm going to give you today is feedback. 
I've always been someone who loves to take feedback, constructive, uh, not constructive, and even haters. And what are they saying? Why, why, are they, why are they saying what they're saying? And then how do I resolve that stuff? When I do a speech, even the ones where I think I just knocked it out of the park, I'll still say, and people say, hey, Bobby, I love that speech. I love that talk. Great. What did you love about it? You know, what, what resonated with you? To me, feedback, you always have to be listening to everyone, your clients, your audience, your partners, your team. And so for me, when I think about feedback and how it evolves what I'm doing and how it, how it affects my relationship, I was going to say relationship building because I'm a big people guy, but I think the feedback piece, before I even got on this call with you, I was talking to a couple of team members and I was getting feedback from them on how I was doing stuff. And that's part of relationship building. So for me, the feedback drives my business, it drives my relationships, it drives everything. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things that has helped my strategies formulate and execute more effectively. So would you have an example for us where you maybe had a feedback where there was an element of surprise or where you took that feedback and you turned it into, into something else? Because sometimes... I know from my own personal experience, you know, and I had, I, I, I did a YouTube channel called the women's code and I was very heavily into women leadership. And before COVID came, there were women's conferences everywhere. Now, nobody talks about women leadership right now because there's a much larger, bigger issue. And to the contrary, you know, with the backlash of the me too movement, there was a lot of anti-women movement that came as a result of, this other movement. And so I had to take this feedback that I got, which was very negative from a lot of men and really figure out on whether or not that was a battle I wanted to fight. And mm -hmm. if this was the format of the battle to fight. So that's when I had to pivot. That was my COVID pivot. And I had to pivot into the growth architect, which I love and really double down on the strategy piece because I just didn't want to stand on a sandbox and defend feminism 24 seven, which is a, is a, which is a lost cause. There is nothing to gain from that. It's not, it's not going to help anybody uh, by repeating the same stuff over and over again. So the question, you know, again, for me, you know, to you is, was there such a moment that you had where there was a feedback or repetitive feedback where you said, this has to change, or I got to do this. Well, I think that happens uh, all the time. As someone who is an advocate for feedback mechanisms, it happens all the time. I mean, two good examples would be when I was trying to figure out what I, what I want to do with my life. And so many, many years ago, I was teaching uh, young people at this program. And uh, there was a guy who was a motivational speaker. And he said, Bobby, you know, you come here every year, every summer. You're really good at this. I love what you do. You're really good at engaging the kids. Have you ever thought about being a speaker for a living? I was like, no, no, no. I'm trying to make it in the corporate world, trying to get at that next level. And no, no, I'm too busy with that. And then when I was in the corporate world, same thing. I went to an offsite and I ran. I decided to do a team building event because I'd been doing it for many years. I said, let me run, let me run a team building event for the, the team. I volunteered, put it together, organized for 50 people. And afterwards, I learned to be like, Bobby, that was amazing. I loved how you just, you corralled the entire group and you gave us, you debriefed us, related, related back to the business. We're talking about speaker training for a living. I was like, no, no, I'm trying to make it to the next level, sir. I want to get to the next level. And then when I uh, finally uh, left the corporate world to take care of my health and my wife and try to figure out what I want to do now, I uh, reached out to my my four best friends, the Council of Umar, as I call them, and I said, "Guys, I'm thinking about not going back to uh, corporate, the corporate world, and uh, trying to figure out what to do." And they're like, "You know, Bobby, have you thought about like professional speaking?" And I was like, "You know what? I have." 
And that was a that was a catalyst because people had been saying that forever, and I just wasn't listening. So uh, by going through the personal brand process, I was able to then you know switch into doing that completely. And then another story I'll give you is um, about this is about maybe six seven years ago. I'd started my business. I was working on stuff. And things weren't going as well as I'd like them to be. And then I met with my mentor. We went. We meet like once every six months. And he said, and, we, and he, one of the things he said, Bobby, how much time do you spend? You know not directly or indirectly building your business or generating revenue. So we looked, we looked at my schedule and my entire calendar because I tend to be a, a giver, selfless, lots of copy dates and all that kind of stuff. And we found out that 58% of my time was spent not directly or indirectly generating revenue. And he's like, that's terrible. You need to change that. Like, that's really, really bad. And, you know, I understand that you like to give and, and help people, but like until you're like at that point where you have, can support your family and everyone around you, you need to maybe change that and take it down to 10% or 20%. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting. But what happened the very next day was I met with my uh, business coach and he said, Bobby, can I be honest with you? And I was like, what? I said, I think you give too much. I think you need to focus on building business and asking for money. And I was like, did you what? talk to my mentor yesterday? I know, like right? The, the very next day, I was like, what is going on? Okay. And so with him, I started working, okay, how do I change this? And so I started changing my entire philosophy of how I was, you know, building relationships and putting myself out there and meeting people and things like that. And that was a big shift. And since that time, yeah, I'm always now putting out content and doing running webinars and running trainings and mostly directly or indirectly relating to business. And so that was a really big shift for me that I took that feedback and I had to change it. And that's when I mainly changed my business for the better. Well, it almost sounds like by the examples that you gave us that that it's like almost becomes a theme when you when you are at one of these crossroads and then everybody's telling you the same thing. And, and you know, it's almost like they're standing there with their road signs. Bobby, look. Yeah, and then- <laughs> exactly. Well, probably, probably because I'm doing one of my business strategy challenges, I end up doing so many things. So just to you know, try and niche and focus on those two or three things I want to do as, but yeah, it's good. You know, that's why I'm always trying to listen to those signs. I love that. Thank you. So you again, hinted on this uh, throughout our interview here. How important is family mindset, spirituality, balance, like sort of all these softer things. And I asked this question because we talk about strategy in this podcast and One of the points I want to drive home to our audience is that even though I talk to some of the best strategies, uh, strategists there are, at the end of the day, it's not just about making money and the best strategy. So is it about impact? Is it about money? Is it about both? Sort of what, how does everything factor into it so that you have a balanced life? And do you have a balanced life? Yeah, so I think I don't think anyone has a balanced life. I think everyone strives for balance. What I would say is that you have to look at your legacy and look at your story. What kind of legacy do you want? What kind of story do you want? What do you, what do you, what do you want people to talk about you afterwards? At the end of the day, my focus is on fulfillment because when I look at how I define success, I look at it in terms of four areas of fulfillment, right? How do I define success? The more I can enhance fulfillment in four key areas of my life, the better, the more successful I feel. So number one is the people in my life. That includes my children, my partner, my parents, my family, my friends, my work colleagues, my teams. 
Number two is the work that I do, both, you know, professional work and, you know, volunteer work. Number three is the passion pursuits that I have, you know, like maybe I'm into musical theater or maybe I like board games and doing fun things. Well, what are those things? And then number four is the spirit mental health situation. What does that look like? Because that's how people find fulfillment. It's one of those four areas. And typically I find people make excuses or create narratives around their life where they make excuses for not fulfilling those specific areas. So for example, love my wife and kids, hate my job. Okay, but you can still work on your job. Or love my job, hate my wife and kids. You can still work on the relationships at home. Or you know what? I hate my job, hate my wife and kids. Thank goodness for hot yoga or, or rock climbing. Too often people make those excuses. And I think that you can work on all four areas of fulfillment try to make them better and to be fulfilled. So for me, a big piece is fulfillment. And fulfillment is different than happiness because as a parent, there are painful times in my life, but they're fulfilling. That time I was rocking my daughter to sleep at you know four in the morning and I'm tired, my back's hurting, and I fell asleep on the sofa with her on my chest. It was painful, but it was also fulfilling because I had purpose as a parent. As an entrepreneur, there's tons of moments where it's stressful and there's uncertainty and overwhelm, but Again, it's very fulfilling to be an entrepreneur and have that freedom and flexibility to you know, plan my life the way I want. So for me, that's what I think about. I think about that fulfillment piece uh, around my story and legacy. And so am I feeling fulfillment with my kids? What could be better? Let me, let me work on that. Am I feeling fulfilled with my health? What can I work on? What is my work? What can I work on? So when I think of that, that's kind of how it drives and that, that's, what, that's what drives the importance of the family in my life, because to me, my kids are my greatest story and legacy as a leader I'm ever going to have in my life. So I'm very committed and dedicated to them. I love that kids are the greatest legacy. I mean, they're going to be the proof of the legacy you leave. You know, my, my, yes, my daughter absolutely. My daughter is um, turning 30 and she's getting married. And I remember very much the the tough moments and some of the very scary moments and some of the very unpleasant moments. And then... I think our memory serves us well because we do cherry pick the things that we like to remember. And then we look back and we say, well, at the end of the day, it all led us to a particular, a particular type of goal, which is the enjoyment. So very quick question. What would you say to someone who says, yeah, Bobby, I get it. The four areas of fulfillment, love it, but I don't have time. My work is overwhelming. It's you make hay when the sun shines. I just can't get to it. What would you tell them? Well, I mean, the, the thing that, that strikes me the most in terms of importance is if you look at the five regrets of the dying, right? So imagine yourself 85 years old looking back on your life. Are you going to look back and say, gosh, I'm so glad I worked 60 hours a week for that job and made that company $150 million over 50 years? Is that, is that what you're going to be proud of or is it going to be something else? If you look at the top five regrets of the dying, two themes emerge. Number one, I wish I had spent more time investing in relationships and people and connections that matter to me. And number two, I wish I'd spend more time exploring the grand diversity of this beautiful planet. So what are you doing about those two things? And is work, you know, is work allowing you to do that? Because if you work your whole life and don't get a chance to do anything, then is that really worth it? I'd probably ask them those questions. I mean, at the end of the day, if they're not ready for that, uh, to accept the fact that, you know, work is just one means to doing something. It's not everything. Then they'll have to come back another time. I often meet people who I meet uh, every year, every year they tell me the same old story and I tell them, well, there's an opportunity out there to do this and get away. And they're like, yeah, I need to get away. And then they don't. 
and they come back to me in the next year and I say, do you want to be here next year telling me the exact same thing about the pain you're feeling with your work and how you're not fulfilled and not enjoying it and it's toxic? Or are you willing to do something about it? Because when you're ready to do something about it and fight for the life that you want, I'm ready to fight with you. I love that. Are you ready to fight for the life that you want? And when you are, I'm right here to fight yeah. uh, fight with you. I, I love it. Uh, Bobby, so how can we find out more about you? Where do we go to learn about what you do? Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I now run three companies. So, rayallen.com is my speaking and training company. DYPB.ca is my discovery personal brand, personal branding company. And now I have another one called thoughtleadershipbranding.club where I help people build thoughtleadership brands using social audio as a primary tool in their strategy. And of course, you can follow me across social media with Rayhan Bobby, and uh, you can follow my company page and my stuff on uh, LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate having you on the show. And that is it for us today. This is Beat Chalet, the host of the Business Growth Architect Show. And that's it for us today. Thank you for listening and watching the Business Growth Architect Show. I enjoyed having you here and for accountability, just take one of the strategies that you have heard, one thing that you can implement in your business immediately. Please leave comments. Don't forget to like and share this show. And if you have any questions about business, please put them in the comments. We are here for you. We're here to support you and help you to grow, build and scale your own business. For more advice, please check out our website in the show notes below. Thank you again. This is Beat Chalet, the growth architect, and goodbye.